ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೌಗುಣಕ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯಂಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವತೀತಮಸ್ತಮಾವಿತ್ ವಿಷಾವಹೈ ಓಂ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 Okay, so we just let some more people in. Okay, welcome everyone to today's class. Anyone have any questions before we begin? Okay, well, um, could you take over as host? Yeah, sure. I think you just need to- How do I do that? uh you probably just have to in participants if you find my yeah i think you can just make me host i think sorry uh let me see if i can do that no okay i'll leave it for now anyway so ravi's not here so All right, no worries. So, any questions from anybody? Okay. So, continuing from uh, last uh, class, we're going to cover verse 60 to 61 today. So, to develop on the spiritual path, you first need to control your senses. Why is that? Anyone? Why do we have to control our senses? Why do we have to control our senses to develop on the spiritual path? Yeah, I don't know. Bit. No, no, yeah. I think it's because the senses is what leads us astray and from the spiritual path. Mm-hmm. So it, if we can find a way to control our senses, then we can actually be more, more uh, our, our mind, it will, we won't be mind-led. and we'd be yeah. more you know intellectually intellectually led to be able to be on the path of the spiritual path yeah very good anybody else yeah avanita and because our senses attract uh, t- uh, our desires and then they sort of um basically take us away from ourselves mm-hmm. and the desire led obviously is away from the spiritual path yeah okay Anybody else wants to add anything to that? Why do we need to control your senses? So, so if we're thinking about the senses are controlled by the mind, mm-hmm. if the mind is attached and involved and enjoying and um, overpowered by the senses, it it's the intellect is not available to guide it to something higher because our senses and everything that is attracted to is to the world mm-hmm. and we're trying to go beyond the world mm-hmm. okay yeah very good very good if did everyone hear that yeah yeah so the senses takes us where sil said senses takes us to the world 
which is outside us, correct? And where do we want to go? Within. So I have to lip read as well. I don't know. Within. We're trying to go in. Senses takes you out. So we need to control the senses so it doesn't go out. And, and then try and control it so it goes within. Does that make sense? In a simple way. This is a, a simple explanation of it. Senses takes you out, but we want to go in. So we need to rein the senses so that we can go in. How are you going to withdraw the mind from the world and concentrate on the self? Now, right now, the mind is, is attracted to the world, but you want to attract it to within. So therefore, you have to be able to try and control the senses. The mind is constantly taken away by sense objects, the senses to the world. We're constantly distracted by that all the time. Then how will we concentrate on the self? How will we meditate if the mind is constantly thinking of external? The mind is constantly thinking of worldly sensual objects, sensual things. And the whole object is to get out of the world. So you're going to be drawn more into the world. So therefore, it is so important to learn to control the senses so you can progress on the spiritual path. And this is what we're trying to do, progress on the spiritual path. Then once we have some control over our senses and we've reduced the bulk of our desires, the mind is relatively free from the world. It's less distracted. And then you're able to turn your attention within to the self. And then through the practice of meditation, you become one with the self, free of all worldly desires. You've now fulfilled your goal as a human being. Does that make sense, Benita? Any questions on that? That's the whole, that's, that's spiritual development in a nutshell. Control your senses, withdraw it from the world, focus within, meditate, you're there. Any questions on that? And this is what we're trying to do by getting knowledge of the self. See, the more knowledge you get of a certain, let's say you're interested in, I don't know, give me an example. So let's say you're interested in the world gardening. Okay, I'm taking a real life example. Let's say you're interested in gardening. Your thoughts are always on the garden. Your thoughts are always, how can I make it more attractive? How can I make my garden look more beautiful. So your mind is constantly taken to the garden. So you can't concentrate on anything else. It's pulling you there. We're not saying it's right or wrong. See, it becomes a distraction. Now you've set your goal that I want to become spiritually developed. I want to concentrate on self. So what knowledge should you get? Spiritual knowledge. Knowledge of the self then that will replace other desires. 
So you have to make that desire the strongest. This is how it works. So we're on topic six. This is the last topic for chapter two, description of an enlightened soul. Krishna gives us a clear description of who is a self-realized person, what his nature is. And last class, we, we um, covered verse 58. And in this verse, Krishna answers Arjuna's fourth question. How does a self-realized person speak? And we said speech is one of the five organs of action. We have five. And, and, but in this context, it represents all five organs. Krishna is talking about all five organs. How does a self-realized person speak? How does he act? behave in the world. And we said, a man of perfection is like a tortoise. What does a tortoise do when he comes across danger? He withdraws his feet, tail, head in his hard shell. Similarly, a man of perfection, when he contacts the world, he is in control of his senses. What does a human being have to help him control his senses? Tortoise has a shell. We don't have a shell. What do we have to help us? Vijay said intellect. So you have to read, read uh, mouths now. Intellect. We have an intellect that is like our shell. Helps us to control our mind, our senses. Hence, we have to strengthen it. So a self-realized person does not contact the world indiscriminately, without thinking. His intellect is always tuned to the self. This is my goal, to reach the self. So whenever his five senses, his mind, attracted to the world, the intellect kicks in immediately to examine, guide the mind. And this, this protects him against worldly temptations. He's in full control of his senses. He's a master of his senses. That doesn't mean he doesn't do, he doesn't act in the world. He does his obligatory duty. Whatever his obligations are, he does. Family, friends, work, etc. Any any questions on that? That was verse 58. Self-realized person is in control of his senses by using his intellect. That's what makes a human being different from all animals. We have an intellect to help us. Verse 59, he said, the, the way the world functions is that whenever a person has desires for a sense object, the object will be available to him in his environment. This is the law of supply and demand. We gave the example of a mango. So what this verse is saying that if you're sincerely, genuinely trying to put in effort to abstain, control and overcome a desire, then learn the higher values of life, meaning knowledge of the self, gain knowledge of the self, and the universe will help you overcome your desire. Objects of your desire will not come and tempt you. They will not attract you anymore. But the taste, 
the relish may still linger. Meaning you will still have that feeling, oh, I wish I can eat just one mango. But when you become self-realized, even this shall go away. So really, you have to control it until you reach that state. And there's going to be an example about it today. So these senses are so strong, all the way up to self-realization, you have to keep tabs on it. That's what we covered last week. Any questions? It's all clear? Okay. Let's do verse 60. Yata to yapikonteya purusasya vipaschitaha indriyani pramatini haranti prasabhammanaha yata to yapikonteya purusasya vipaschitaha Indriyani Pramatini Haranti Prasabhammanaha O Konteya, the turbulent senses of even a wise man while striving indeed forcibly carry away his mind. So this verse explains how about senses, the power of the senses, the power of sense objects. It says, O Kuntea, another name for Arjuna, meaning the son of Kuntimata. It says, Arjuna, the senses are so powerful that even a person who is wholeheartedly determined to reach that goal of self-realization, even for him, if he's not careful, it can take his mind away. That's how strong they are. It takes a lot of effort. Everything takes you to the world. And the world has become more and more attractive. Everything's on your phone. Any information you want, I'll Google it. It's so easy. This keeps you more into the world, that intrigue. As we said in the last class, your organs of action made up of your five sense organs. Your mind is attracted to the world and the world pulls them with its beautiful, wonderful attractions. We said it was like a magnet like a piece of iron. Your senses are like a piece of iron and the world is like a powerful magnet. The eyes wants to see beautiful things. Let's go to see the Taj Mahal. I have not seen the Taj Mahal. I really want to see it. Then we have to go and see the tallest building in the world. Where is it? In Dubai. We have to go to Dubai. I heard Niagara Falls is beautiful. We need to go and see that. The eyes take you to the world. The tongue wants different flavors. What are we going to eat tonight? We had something. What did we have yesterday? Today we have to have something different. Yesterday Indian, today is Chinese. Tongue wants different flavors. Must go to this new restaurant. I hear they're doing fusion Indian food. I want to taste this fusion food. Tongue, taste. Some people have a weakness for nice smells, perfume, roses, 
any object they see, first thing they do is smell it. That's the nose. Some people for touch, feeling nice things, so soft, so smooth. Then the ears wants to hear sweet music. What does it sound like? Headphones all the time, listening to music. I have to confess, this is my weakness. I'm confessing to all of you. Now we're not criticizing that you shouldn't do this. We're analyzing how we as humans function, how we're attracted to the world. Now all of you, you'll find if you sit and think about this, now you've learned this today, if you sit and think and analyze your personality, you'll discover that you have a weakness for at least two of these senses, which are stronger than the other three. Out of the five, you will find you have two which are dominant. They're the strongest. The other three will not be as strong. Think about it. Might be taste, might be smell, might be seeing, might be hearing. As I confessed, hearing is for me is strong. For you, analyze what is strong for you. And the reason I'm saying this is that the two that are the strongest, they're the more difficult to control. The other three which are weaker are easier to control. And you'll say, yes, I don't need to go and see this. I'm not interested. But food, yes, I would like to taste different types of food because your tongue is stronger than your eyes. You have a stronger sense to go, for the tongue is stronger for you than the eyes. So you'll say, yeah, I don't want to go and see that. It's okay, you go. I'm into food. So think about it. You'll find two of the senses are more stronger than the other three. And throughout our life, we're caught up in this push and pull. We don't know anything else. Magna and iron. So it's saying if these senses are not monitored by the intellect, then they become turbulent, uncontrollable. You lose all control over them. And it will eventually take away the mind. And then also the intellect. Thereafter, you have lost control of your personality. You have lost all control of your personality if you don't keep it under control. So this particular verse is saying, even the wise, one who's striving, indeed forcibly carry away his mind, is highlighting the loss of the mind. If you're not in control, you'll take your mind away. Any questions on that? Vinay, does that make sense? Which are the two stronger senses for you? I confessed. I'm happy to confess. Um, I think touch and taste. Touch and taste. Yeah, it's different for different people. So you see in society, people run after sense satisfaction, eating, drinking, drugs, power, fame, 
Many people can't control it, especially the two most powerful senses they have. They can't control it and eventually lose everything. Right now in the news, what's going on? Jeffrey Epstein, what happened to him? Such a powerful person, so much wealth. No control over his desire for young girls. One strong sense ended up destroying himself. I'm giving examples to give you an idea. So much wealth. And to gain that wealth, you need to have a brain. You need to have a powerful intellect. How else can he make that sort of money? But one sense is he can't control. Destroyed him. You see some of these Middle Eastern dictators in the past, Gaddafi, Saddam, Hussein, no control over their first for power. Ultimately, what happened to them? Destroyed themselves. Now it's happening again in Russia. One person. You'll see, it'll eventually destroy him as, him as well. So these are extreme examples I'm giving to highlight a point. But even in our lives, if we want to achieve something, the senses come in the way of our goal. That's what it means. You want to be spiritually developed, the senses come in the way. Any questions on that? Arunabhan, could you read paragraph one and two, please? Konteya is Arjuna and means son of Kunti. Krishna cautions Arjuna about the devastating nature of the sense organs. The human senses push the individual towards the world of sense objects and the sense objects pull the individual towards the world. Senses push and objects pull. You are torn by this push and pull. The sense organs constantly rush towards the enchanting sense objects. The eye courts beautiful sights, the ear yearns for pleasing sounds, the nose desires sweet smells, the tongue craves for flavor, the skin wants pleasant touches. With these constant demands, the, sense becomes the senses become turbulent. They carry away the mind of even a learned person striving on the spiritual path. If one does not control the senses properly, one can lose control of the mind. The problem does not end there. The mind will in turn carry the intellect away with it. When the intellect is lost, everything is lost. The destruction of the personality is complete. This verse specifies the loss of mind. The next step towards destruction would be the loss of intellect. This is stated in verse 67 instead of the following verse. The intervening verses take up a different sequence of thought, deliberating on the importance of the intellect on, in a human being. The intellect makes a human being the chef d'oeuvre of creation, a masterpiece. Without the intellect, he has less power or ability than any mammal, but the, mem but the human intellect alone puts him on the top rung of the ladder of creation. The intellect therefore must be carefully preserved to safeguard the personality. 
Thank you. You see, human beings have intellect. We are probably the, norm, the lowest, as far as numbers are concerned, of species in the world. Was it 7 billion? There must be more creatures in my garden than 7 billion. You take in all the bacteria, all the flies, the birds. Yeah. But we're in control of everything. The world is made of 70% water. How many fishes and living life is in the ocean? But we're in control of everything, all creatures in the world. Why, intellect? We're, look, look at the size of us compared to an elephant. Look at the size of us compared to other large creatures. And we're still in control. Why, intellect? We have the power of thinking reasoning, deciding. The animals have a very limited intellect. That's the difference. That's why it's saying we are the chef of creation, meaning we're the masters of the universe because of that. So senses. See, the thing is about senses is that if I ask any of you, are you in control of your senses? You'll say, yes, of course I am. All of you. You ask a smoker, are you addicted to smoking? He'll say, no, I can give it up anytime I want. Yes, it's true. Person who drinks, he'll also say, I drink now and again, I can give up whenever I want. You'll see him in a pub every night though. So it says, wake up. If you believe you can give it up, you're deluded. You're unaware of the power of the senses. You don't realize the senses are controlling you, not the other way around. Yeah, it's just our mind is deluded to think I'm in control. You're not in control of anything. You try it. That's how powerful these senses are. I gave example of drinking and smoking, but you apply that to anything. Food, anything you want. Senses are more powerful. So the scripture highlights the power of the senses by this example of this great sage, Visimitra. Who, this sage, he was living in a cave for years, meditating, trying to reach that goal of self-realization. He had full control of his senses, so he thought. What did the gods do? They test. They wanted to test him. How did they test him? Arunaben, could you read the, the next verse, please? The senses are extremely powerful. People remain unaware of their devastating nature and treat them casually. The average person believes he can give up his sensual indulgences anytime he chooses. He boasts about his capacity to do so. This verse means to wake up such deluded people to reality. The mythological portion of the Hindu scriptures gives an episode to demonstrate this truth. In it, the great sage Vishwamitra was meditating in a jungle. Menaka, a heavenly temptress, was sent to entice him with her dance. Even after years of severe austerity, he fell under her enchantment and succumbed to her charms. 
In reality, Vishwamitra was spiritually fortified enough to resist any worldly temptations. The choice of such a great sage in this story deliberately highlights the devastating power of the senses. It consciously sacrifices the reputation of an eminent sage for the important purpose of educating people on the strength of the senses. If such a great ascetic can fall so easily, how careful must the average person be with sensual temptations? So even the wise one, years of penance, steadfast on the spiritual path, can surrender to the power of the senses. What chances do we have? This is what he's trying to highlight. The scriptures always give an extreme example to highlight a point. They said it's mythological, so it's made up to highlight this point. What chances do we have in control? But we think, oh, yes, I can control it. I'm in full control. We're deluded. So Adi Shankacharya, the, the father of Vandantra, highlights the power of the senses. It say, he says, a moth has a weakness for light and it destroys itself in the flame. You see a flame, you'll see moths lying there on the floor. Why? They try, they're attracted by the flame, the light, and it goes in there and it kills itself. A fish has a weakness for taste. The angler has got this bait on a string in the water. Fish has a weakness for taste. What happens to it? It tries to eat the food. Dead. Come. The angler pulls it out of the water and that's it. That's his dinner for tonight. Why? Strong, the fish has one strong sense, food. A deer has a weakness for sound. So what do the people do? Play the drums. You see the Discovery Channel. In the jungle, they're playing the drums. When the deer hears the drums, he gets attracted to it. They become hypnotized by the sound. What happens? Gets caught. An elephant for touch, mating. And this is how they capture the elephants. So in the animal kingdom, these animals have weakness for one sense organ and it destroys them. Yeah, you all agree? We've just highlighted that example. One sense organ and it destroys them. We as humans have weakness for how many sense organs? Five. Now, what chance do we have? So it's something to think about, how powerful these senses are. They have one and it destroys them. We have five. How careful we must be. Arunabhan, last paragraph, please. Adi Shankaracharya emphasizes the truth in his book, Viveka Kudamani. He gives examples of five creatures which get destroyed because of their weaknesses for sensual pleasures. A moth has a weakness for sight. It embraces a flame and perishes. A fish has a weak tongue. It bites the bait of an angler and dies. 
A deer succumbs to its ears. It hears the beating of the drum, runs into the hunter's snare and dies at his hands. An elephant is caught in a pit because of its weakness for mating. A bee enters deep into the crevice of a flower and finds itself trapped. Thus, a weakness for just one sense organ is enough to destroy a creature. Human beings suffer from the weaknesses for all five senses. This beautiful, beautiful portrayal of Shankaracharya illustrates the helplessness of human beings and cautions them against their abuse of the senses. Any questions? So. So whilst we're in the process of developing the intellect, mm. in practical terms, how can we safeguard ourselves so we're not always overpowered mm -hmm. yeah. by indulging or, you know, help us to manage or control or, yeah. Everybody hear that question? So we've now want to strive on the spiritual path. How, how should we be careful? If we realize, first of all, recognize which senses are more powerful for you. Yeah. The ones that are going to get into trouble. Recognize that first. Yeah. How would you then do it? How would you then be careful? Any idea? Any ideas? How would you how would you go about now you've learned this today? And you and you said Vinay said taste and touch is his two most deadly senses. Okay, how would you then try to um, control that? Yeah, Vanita. I think maybe with your intellect. So, I suppose doing your morning studies to in strengthen your intellect will help you do that. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know that your weakness is such a thing. Over time, you can you could possibly step back from it. It's not something you can just totally cut out because, all right, physically you can, but it still be there in the back of your head. So mm -hmm. intellectually, if you can make your intellect stronger, it's easier to do so. Okay, so, but the intellect's not strong enough. That's oh. the problem. <laughs> then how would you do it? Carol? Um, I think... Until you have a strong intellect, you just have to remove yourself from that situation, right? So plan in advance. So yeah. I don't know if you have a weakness for pizza and there's a pizza party happening, don't go. <laughs> um, Close your eyes when you're driving past it. <laughs> um, but for me, I mean, for me, I find the difficult part about that is having consistency. You, you'd, have, you'd avoid the situation once, twice, three times, five or six times maybe, you know, but somewhere down the line, you, I find like it happens to me, right? Like you give in to that situation and you'd be like, oh, it's been a while, it's okay. I've overindulged and ate too much today. But then you start again and you gotta, I, I don't know. Um, I think the consistency part is the most difficult part. Okay, good. No, I'm glad you, you answered really well, Kevin. And um, you've highlighted one point there, which we're gonna cover. Anybody else want to add to that? How would you control? So the example is garden, right? Mm -hmm. I can't remove myself from my garden. I no. live in the house. Okay. 
If my weakness is sight on my garden. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And Let's I see. live in that house and see my garden every day. Yeah. I can't remove myself from my house. Absolutely. Absolutely. I wouldn't want you to either. Still <laughs> loving. I think it's the outcome of uh, what you're going to do. So as Kevin said, if he's going to eat the pizza, he knows that it's uh, his weakness. But what is the outcome after eating the pizza? That, if you think of that ahead and yeah. then feel that if that's not correct, then uh, I need to stop doing this. So it's whatever you do, it's first thing, try and process what the outcomes are. If they go his outcome is I've had one, I fancy another one now. Then what would, what does he do? <laughs> control, yeah. But then the control. See what I'm saying? Yeah. The outcome is that he can't stop eating pizza. You give him one, he'll eat one. You give him a second, he'll have a second. He's got a pizza oven, for God's sake. He can make his own. He doesn't even have to go into a restaurant. <laughs> How can he control that? So you, anybody, sorry, Benita. I think even having the acknowledgement of the fact that you know it's happening is enough to start with because you know that that sense of the pizza is out of your control. Knowing that that is there hmm. is at least you're being honest to yourself that that is my weakness. And then some sort of, I don't know, something has to give then, isn't it? Yeah, you're all, you're all basically, you're all saying the right things. Yeah, we have to put it succinctly in one in one way. I don't know. How was your, what do you think? So your mic's not on, Arunabin. Develop a sense of detachment. You know, we, we've always said that you don't have to not do certain things, mm -hmm. right? Because we live in the world. But also it's about controlling, you know, um, how much you do of it, maybe so the quantity of it. And then as you go along, so if you've started with, you really like pizzas and then you say, May, where you might have eaten three, you just eat one. You also at the same time saying to yourself, right, I'm going to try and develop a sense of detachment to this, non-become attachment. You have to start becoming detached with all these senses and, okay. and, and really work at the, on those goals. And I don't Very know. Good. Yeah. So first of all, it's not going to happen overnight. Okay, you have to accept that it's not going to happen overnight. You've studied this class today. In cl this class today, we said control your senses. From tomorrow, you're not going to be able to start controlling your senses. It's not going to work. Yeah? You have to accept that, first of all. Yeah? You have to start slowly. Now, as I said, two are the strongest senses that draws you to the world. The other three are not as strong. So you be careful of the two. The other three, you may be able to control easily. So you can control those. Yeah? But the two that are strongest, you have to be more careful. You have to be more aware of it. And don't be hard on yourself. Be aware of it, first of all. That's the first thing, an awareness. I have to be careful. When I pass a pizza place, I have to be careful. When I pass a gardening center, I have to be careful. Yeah? I'm not saying you shouldn't have it, but it's the indulgence that creates the problem. This lack of control that creates the problem. Yeah. So slowly, you, when you're aware of it, then you have some control of it. If you're having everyday pizza, you say, okay, I'm going to cut down to six days, five days, every other day. I'm just using that as an example, but you can put anything you want there, yeah? 
every other day, slowly, slowly, you cut down with that awareness. And then, as Venita said, at the same time, study in the morning the scriptures, what we're studying. This will strengthen your intellect. This will give you more control. I, my goal is to reach the self. Is my garden going to help me? Yes, it may help you. You're going to sit in the garden, seeing the lovely, beautiful flowers and everything. It may make you think of Brahman. That's fine. But you substitute everything for Brahman. You substitute everything to, is this going to take me to the self? That awareness may not be there every time. If, it, if it's there once a week, something you do regularly, that that once week you're controlling. That's a great achievement. If you control it once a week, that's a great achievement. Then slowly, 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 you work towards it. More knowledge of the self, stronger desire for the self automatically replaces your worldly desires. And this is how you do it. Like a pedal on a bicycle. As you pedal forward, the bicycle goes forward. This is what you do. More knowledge, more self-control. More knowledge, more self-control. But at the same time, you enjoy. You enjoy it. If anything, what happens is that you enjoy it more. You have pizza once a week, you enjoy that more. You go to a garden center once a month instead of every week. You'll see new things. Ah, oh, this might look better. Because new blooms, new flowers are coming in every season. You go every week, you see the same stuff. You get neutralized. You go once a month, you see new things. More interest, more attraction. This is how you do it. So be aware and understand it's not going to happen overnight. And then work towards it. Yeah, Arunabin. You said substitute everything on Brahman. If you can, if you're if you're if you're strong enough to do that. Sorry, yes. So, so can you elaborate on that, please? So anybody would like to take this one? How would you substitute Brahman wherever you can? Suppose if you're focusing on something which is a higher ideal than that sense, then I presume at some point you will be able to then move away from that attachment because you're looking for something higher each time you focus on Brahman instead of that attachment or that sense. Yeah. You're, you're on the ball part. Okay, so... So if we're thinking about how Brahman has been, I suppose, classified, Brahman is all peaceful, all um, happiness, like there's nothing that comes to close in experience in the world as we get from Brahman, because we get the maximum peace, pleasure, happiness. So if, if our focus is always on the maximum peace, pleasure, happiness, then how can the lower thing ever give us that same 
peace, pleasure, happiness. Okay. And the senses are lower than the higher, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. No, I know, where, I know where you're coming from. But more simpler than that, what is this world? Everything is Brahman. We say the world is an illusion. This whole world is Brahman. Everyone and everything in it is Brahman. So if you get through knowledge, if you start understanding that everything is Brahman, then anything and everything you see, you experience, if you're able to replace it with the thought of Brahman, wow, look at this daffodil, amazing colors. Wow, Brahman works in, in, is amazing. How, how does he develop this? How does he make this? The thought of Brahman comes in there. You see a beautiful sunrise, the power of Brahman, look what he's designed, how it comes up, the brightness, the sun, the heat. So if you can substitute the thought of Brahman in all experiences, then as Sittal said, you'll find peace and happiness in every experience. You meet your worst enemy, you'll think, what vastness? Brahman is inside him, but look at his vastness. You may then choose to walk away from him, but there's no hatred. You're thinking of Brahman in all experiences, in all walks of life. If we can get to that stage, then why would you be unhappy? So replace the thought, any thought in the world with the thought of Brahman. That's another way. Ultimately, you need to do this. So when you start on the spiritual path, the first thing the scriptures teaches you is to control your senses. Because without this control, how can you progress on the spiritual path? It's very difficult. Any questions? Okay. Verse 61. Yeah, we've only done one. Tani yukta asita matparaha vasehi yasyendriyani tasya prajna pratishtita tani sarvani samyamya yukta asita matparaha Vasehi yasyendriyani tasya prajna pratishtita. Having controlled them all, he should sit focused on me as supreme. His wisdom is established indeed, whose senses are under control. So you've been able to control your senses, you reach this stage. This is what this verse is saying. The senses are very powerful. It can take the mind away. If you want to develop on the spiritual path, then you have to get it under control of the intellect. Only then, only then you can concentrate on a single thought. Otherwise, the mind will constantly distract you to the world. How can you concentrate on the self? Now it says in here, having controlled them all, he should sit focused on me as supreme. What does me, do you think, mean in this verse? Anyone? 
Having controlled your senses, now sit and focus on me. Capital letters, what does that mean? If I say sit and concentrate on me, how would you interpret that? Yeah, Vanita? So does it mean focusing on this, the Atman or the Brahman or whatever you want to call it within you? Yeah, absolutely. Me represents the self, Brahman, Atman. If I say concentrate on me, does it mean me? Yeah. Not me as a person. Me means the Atman within us, the Supreme Self, Brahman, God. When Krishna uses the term me in this verse, it represents the self. He's talking about the self, not Krishna, the person. It's very important that you understand that. It does not mean him, Krishna. It means the self. Now, let's examine this. In the past, there have been many, there have been many spiritual prophets, Jesus Christ, Muhammad, Buddha, and they've all said the same thing, what Krishna is saying in this verse. Focus your thoughts on me. What has happened? What has happened? Anyone? Yeah, Vanita? They've all misunderstood the interpretation of me, and now that is why we are divided in this world. <laughs> it's very important, this understanding of me. Simple word. What has happened is that a lot of these books, the Bible, Quran, they've been written hundreds of years after death of that person, of the prophet. Bible was written a couple hundred years after Jesus Christ passed away. The Quran was written after Muhammad passed away, a hundred years after that. And this term me has been misinterpreted by followers as believing in the person himself. The prophet themselves, the person who said it. And because of this misunderstanding, the people have separated themselves different beliefs. I believe in Muhammad. They try to look like Muhammad, act like Muhammad. Muhammad said, focus on me, like Krishna is saying, not on me, the person, but the self. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Krishna. Today's Ramlami. I'm a Rambat. Then what happens? They start a religion based on that prophet, discarding all other prophets who said the same thing, discarding all other religions. I am a Christian. I believe in Jesus. Nobody else. I'm a Muslim. I believe in Muhammad. Nobody else. Allah. Then they believe fanatically in that one person only because of this one misunderstanding. I mean, look at it, if you analyze, even in each different religion, there are hundreds of sub-religions. 
hundreds of different beliefs, segregation, so many different Christian religions. You go to America, there's a church in every state, and they all believe in Jesus, but they're all different. So many Christian beliefs, Muslim religions, Hindu religions. I'm a Catholic, which is the same. I'm a Sunni, Shia, Koja, same. There are hundreds more. Just Swaminarayan, how many different temples are there for Swaminarayan? Swaminarayan is one person, one prophet. Nilkant was one person. Us misunderstanding create all these different divisions, human beings. Krishna consciousness. So many different beliefs. It's mind boggling. But the crazy thing is each one believes they are right and the other is wrong. <laughs> I'm asking you to think about this, analyze this. What's going on? And because of this one misunderstanding, all the religious wars, killings, separation, segregation, hatred in this world, because of this one misunderstanding. And this is the state of the world now. One misunderstanding, the word me. Any questions? What does me mean? Brahman. Not Krishna. See, if you understand this verse, then why label yourself with any religion? Why label yourself with any religion? If you understand this first, it frees you from all religions, frees you from all differences, all segregations. Misunderstanding. See, one verse in the Gita can change your whole life. Freedom. It's giving you freedom. You understand this? You're free after this class from any label. Understand this, we are all human beings, made of the same stuff, regardless of color, regardless of where we come from, what languages speak, what food we eat. Therefore, every one of us has the same spiritual goal in life. Why label ourselves as any different? Think about it. Free yourself from these attachments. Emma, can you read paragraph one, please? The senses are very powerful. They tend to carry away the mind. They have to be restrained and the mind made available for pursuing the self. Here is an appeal to control all the senses and bring the mind to single-pointed concentration upon the Supreme Self. Krishna uses the first person singular, me, to mean the self. 
the Godhead in all things. In fact, all prophets use the pronoun me to indicate the unifying self in everyone. The followers took it literally to mean the individual prophet. They developed fanatic attachment to the personality. The misunderstanding of this pronoun has caused colossal damage to religion. People segregate themselves into diverse creeds and sects. These divisions have been the bane of religion. Thereafter, bitterness and battles paved the path of human history. Thank you. So therefore, once the senses are under control, only then is the mind free from agitations. When the mind is free from agitations, the mind is then calm. Right now you're agitated. When will this class finish? I can have my lunch. Agitations. It frees you from agitation. When the mind is calm, only then the intellect can direct the mind to single pointed focus. Remember, the, our mind, as I said, is like, uh, what did you say the mind is like? Monkey. Monkey mind. You can't control it. So only when it's calm and con can this intellect direct it to meditation, single pointed focus. And then through meditation, it destroyed the last few desires, merge with the self. It's the last thing you do. Meditation is the highest spiritual practice that one can do. Now, you try and sit for five minutes, yeah? You all of you try and sit for five minutes, close your eyes, try thinking of one thought, whatever that thought may be, any thought. We say Om, try focusing on Om. See how long you can focus on that one thought before your mind starts wandering, before your mind starts thinking of something else. This will tell you the state of your mind. All of you try it. If you can get to five minutes, you're really good. Be aware of the mind. Let the intellect be aware of the mind and see if we can keep it on that one thought. Try it. But what the scriptures are saying, don't get into serious meditating if the mind is not ready because it could actually cause harm. You're suppressing the mind. And if it's not ready, it could damage the mind. So a man of perfection is one who has his senses under control. This is a self-realized person. Emma, last paragraph, please. Meditation is mentioned here in brief. It is the gateway to self-unfoldment. However, one cannot plunge into meditation before gaining control over the senses. Man's mind remains in a chaotic state. Its thoughts run wildly in all directions, seeking sensual pleasures. It is full of agitations. An agitated mind cannot be brought to single-pointed concentration. The agitations render it unfit for meditation. Meditation is a scientific technique which exhausts all your desires and thoughts and exposes your real self. It is the highest and sp spiritual practice, but the prerequisite for meditation is a calm mind. Without basic mental equanimity, 
one cannot meditate effectively. The intellect can directly the intellect can direct only a relatively calm mind to focus single-pointedly on the supreme self. To attempt meditation without, without this preliminary preparation is not only futile, but detrimental, as is any repeated regular repression of the mind. This verse emphasizes control of the senses as that preparation necessary to the to the to thus calm the mind it highlights this requirement by defining a man of perfection as one who has controlled his senses there we go that's the exercise control the senses any questions so i hope you found the class useful today Think about it, read it if you've got the book, study in the morning, and this will help to develop the intellect. This will help you to be in more control of your senses. You have to put the effort in, you can't do it on its own. It's impossible. And you can't restrict the mind either. You'll damage the mind. It'll only be temporary. You have to develop the mind from a child to an adult. Okay, any questions? So we'll have group discussion on Tuesday. We can discuss some of these topics that we covered today in last class on Tuesday at 7.30. Whoever wants to join, it's, a, it's not a formal class, very informal. I don't even wear a dhoti. <laughs> <laughs> So we can discuss this in more detail if anybody wants any questions. Now, next week is Easter Sunday. Um, I'm open to the class. I'm happy to take class, but um, we, most people have make plans. So I'm happy not to have class next Sunday. Uh, it's all up to you. Um, we can have a consensus now. Who's going away? Long weekend. Kevin? I was going to say, we're not going away, but we're not available. <laughs> so I think generally people like to have the long weekend. They don't you know, want to plan things. So we won't have class next Sunday and we'll continue the week after. Uh, it's normally the practice anyway. Um, but we'll have the group discussion on Tuesday. Yeah. Is that okay, Arunabin? Okay, Vinay, great. Uh, just have a question. Um, yeah. For group discussion, do we put the question in the group beforehand? If you can, then people can think about it. Okay. Yeah, and I can think about the answer. I can answer you better. If it's sprung on me in the class, then I can't give you a, a thoughtful answer. Okay. <laughs> so if you have, then it would help definitely. You know, so Arunabin. Yeah, I was just going to add, but we've also been having general discussions about these classes as well. So anything that crops up, so that's yeah, yeah. Very helpful as well. Tuesday, anything goes, as long as it's about Bhagavad Gita, spiritual development. <laughs> yeah, we have to control what we talk about. Good. Okay, enjoy the rest of the, the Sunday, and I'll see some of you on Tuesday, and enjoy the Easter weekend. Thank you. Hurry on.